This is an ABC podcast. G'day there, my name's Matt Brand. Australia's biggest cattle company, AACO, has today released its half-yearly financial results and it's a bit of a mixed bag. Its operating profit, compared to the same period last year, has jumped nearly 30% to $38 million. But its net profit after tax has fallen by 37%. I spoke to David Harris this morning. He's the Managing Director and Chief Executive of AACO and I asked for his summary of the last six months. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It- uh, I think it's been a really good six months. I think uh, it was really pleasing to be able to announce an improved result on uh, on the first six months of last year. I think we're continuing to drive revenue, drive value for shareholders, and we've got some really good, interesting um, strategies in place that are that are certainly starting to and continuing to pay dividends for us, month. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, David. I've got AACO's net profit after tax has fallen 37% year on year, and it's down 62% compared to what was posted in the yearly results there in May. Now, why is that? Yeah, that's right. So that statutory result uh, takes into account um, fair value of of, um, of livestock. And so compared to uh, this time, you know, a year ago, I suppose those livestock values didn't um, didn't increase as they did back then. So there was actually a slight decrease in actual you know kilo valuations um, versus those periods. So that's where the real difference comes from um, in those livestock valuations versus you know its first six months um, in the prior year. Does that explain the total story though? Because as was mentioned in the presentation. Cattle prices are, quote, slightly down from the record highs. So there's a drop of 37%. Is there something else going on? No, not at all, mate. We've um, we've got really good operating profit figures, which is what we prefer to talk to as, a, as an indicator of how the business is going uh, more broadly. Like I said, that statutory piece is, um, is largely a, a factor of those other valuations that, you know, for all purposes are outside our controls. Meat sales are on the up, including in Europe and Middle East. Can you tell us the story there? Yeah, they are. That was principally, like we said in the presentation, it's a it's a moving. Uh, you know, we we took some products out of some other markets, uh, including Australia, and into there. Um, it's a really good food service market, and so as food service rebounded, you know, with with everyone coming out of COVID, those markets certainly took off probably uh, a little bit faster and a little bit stronger than some others. And so we, we redirected product into there to take advantage of those um, of those increased prices and demand relative to other markets that we operate in. And Australia, your home now takes just 7% of total meat sales for AACO. Has it ever been that low? Yeah, good question. Uh, it probably uh, It probably hasn't from a from a total percentage was perspective, but again, that's um, that's us making the blend and, and making decisions around where we can extract the best value for the product. Um, we've got a lot more competition in Australia, um, and so we've found better markets overseas. Um, we've always been, you know, predominantly uh, export focused, um, but again, that's around, you know, we go where the money is and where we think the markets. That are that we can continue to grow. Um, now, with all that said, Australia is a very 
important market for, market for us. And like we said, we you know um, it, it is our home, and and we think it's super important. So we have specific locations in in the major you know in the capital cities that we work with. We've done some great activations with chefs in Australia. So we're continuing to drive uh, you know price. And, and value in in the Australian market, but yeah, in in this period that we're talking about, um, there was better opportunities elsewhere. Away from the numbers, AACO is carrying out a trial feeding asparagopsis, the seaweed, to some of its stock. How is that going? Yeah, good question. Good question. We're about midway through that trial, so. It's a it's a longer trial because it's more specifically aimed around feeding asparagopsis to wagyu cattle. So that's a you know circa 300 day plus program. So we're about halfway through that. Uh, I won't talk to specifics of those details at this stage. It's commercial in confidence, and and we're working through that with our partners. But it is a real opportunity for us to utilise it going forward um, as part of our. Um, more broader application of you know trying to affect and Im- improve our imprint on on that methane side of things, um, and so I'm really positive about its opportunity. But I don't think there's a silver bullet in any one of of these products. I think it'll be a a broad range of multiple products that we'll need to use. Um, obviously, the government's signed up to the the methane pledge, so. You know, which is something we're not opposed to, but there is a lot of work to still be done in that. I don't think there's any one product out there today that's going to get beef or get agriculture more broadly to, to that 30% reduction. So, uh, Can I ask, though, which product do you think has got the bigger future, seaweed or synthetic <laughs> products that do the exact same thing? Yeah, look, that's a it's an interesting one, and I think it's it's one that probably the market will, will answer and, and the customers will answer more than I. Um, I think... It's a courses for courses situation. I think uh, both products have uh, a place in the market. Um, obviously, some of the challenges of these things is actually mode of transport or, or mode of delivery. And so um, I think some of those synthetics may have a better you know, opportunity for delivery out in our broader um, pastoral type operations. But, uh, but there is no doubting that the asparagopsis has a wonderful organic story to it, has a... Has a wonderful, um, you know, more natural story to it that I'm sure there are customers out there that will be more than com- comfortable to pay pay a premium for for a, a product of that nature. On the investor presentation this morning, you raised biosecurity and how there's a 28% chance of lumpy skin disease getting into Australia within the next five years. For average investors out there looking at the stock market, why is AACO a good buy? when there's that sort of threat lingering? Yeah, uh, that's a good one, Matt. Uh, look, I think it's 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 a balance of, of a lot of things. Why is AACO a, a good buy? I think we're um, doing some really good things in agriculture and, and specifically beef production. But, you know, sustainability-wise, I, I think there's a lot of good stories behind AA. Um, if, if, if we talk specifically to the lumpy skin disease and that 28%, uh, likelihood of incursion in the next five years. There's no doubting that's a challenge, um, and that's something that we're working towards. You know, we're developing our own you know biosecurity plans, property by property. We've got multiple different locations in in multiple different regions, and whilst yes, we are predominantly Northern Territory and Queensland, um, our value chain and how we extract 
um, revenue, I think, is very diverse um, across the country. And so I, I think we're in a really good spot to be as resilient as possible if something like that does does happen to Australia and as well as, you know, we'll be in the best position to try and come out the other side of it as, as fast as anyone and strongly. Yeah, and, so and just I, on that, we know that if it got found tomorrow, it would trigger a national livestock standstill. But is it clear in your mind, David, on how quickly AACO would be able to access export markets? Well, look, I think there is still some work to do there with our with our exporting partners and with um some of the the protocols that are in place there. So we're certainly working with government and, and, and the authorities to get ahead of some of those challenges and make sure that we've got clear guidelines and clear thought processes onto the roadmaps out of something like that if it was to happen. Um, so th- the answer to that right here and now is there is some grey area, but we're working hard with those people that can affect that, including the government. Um, and, you know, um, there's... There's a bit of work to do yet, but I think if we all proactively continue to manage it, we will we will get the best result possible. Um, and from a management perspective, we've got to focus on the things we can control. Um, I don't. I, I wouldn't want a business to be paralysed out of you know the thought that one day this might happen. So, so we try to keep a like a cautious, thoughtful, but you know proactive and positive outlook on things. And just finally. As you would appreciate, when we broadcast across the Northern Territory, most people want an update on the Livingston Abattoir. What can you tell them? What I can tell them, I think, uh, firstly, we we certainly believe that the asset has strategic value to the company. Um, it is still being maintained in its suspended state, but we do, like I said, continue to maintain the facility. We do have a small workforce there. Um, I do think that sometime in the future market conditions will will improve for that facility and and in some way, shape or form, it, it will oper- operate again. But um, some of those are, you know, macroeconomic type pieces out of our control. But long story short, we do think it's got strategic value to the business and we're keeping it in, in the sort of shape it can be so that we can activate that as soon as we um, feel that the economic numbers stack up for us to um, fire it back up. A really busy day for you. Thanks for sharing time for the Country Hour. Not a problem, Matt.